Sometimes our commander-in-chief, ideally upholder of the law, fails to inspire us. Take the 1970s. Well, I'm not a crook. Or the 90s. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And now the 21st century. I'm an extremely stable genius. You're about to hear two attorneys make sense out of a legal system some say is a train wreck. Here are Royal Oaks and Connor Oaks. This is Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. And it's Saturday, June 26, 2021. Supreme Court term is just wrapping up, so we're going to uh, talk a little bit about the Supreme Court, specifically the winning cheerleader. Uh, cheer leading in the Supreme Court. We never thought it would come there. Hooray! Uh, David Souter uh, famously said Was a cheerleader ago, in high school? Yes. He no, was actually he's probably the last person uh, you would ever think would be a cheerleader in high school. Because yeah, you remember... He uh, lived alone, kind of hermit-like. Um, he ate. He liked to eat apples, mm-hmm. but sure. you know, you say, "Well, G-Royal, Who doesn't? So what if he?" Yeah, he ate the entire apple core included. Ooh, he's going to get arsenic poisoning. Do I want that kind of person on the Supreme Court? I don't know. Is I'm that is that the glad, deal breaker? I'm kind of glad he retired. There we are. Okay. So he can eat all the apple cores he wants now that he's. That off is of pretty the court. weird. Yeah, the Supreme pr- Court justices as a whole. Pretty weird freaks. So he, he famously said, uh, cameras in the court, in the Supreme Court, over my dead body. He was over my arsenic-poisoned body. Vehement op- <laughs> opponent of cameras. But I think he also, if he'd thought it through, would have said no cheerleaders in the Supreme Court. But there was one, and she was a big winner this week. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about whether Justice Breyer should up and quit. Um, perhaps some people are saying that would sort of brand the court as being political, but uh, some folks on the left would just love it if President Biden has a chance to uh, replace Breyer before Mitch McConnell is in a position to do his mischief once again. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about why uh, Britney Spears uh, supposedly needs a keeper, the whole conservatorship kerfuffle. And should jurors be vaccinated? Should it be a requirement for jury service to have gotten the shot or shots? Uh, And in our final block, uh, we're going to get into some uh, very important issues. Why is Joe Biden whispering? He's he's, he's a whisperer. He's become the president whisperer. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about that. The whisper president. Yeah, as well as the woke language guide. The FAA and Brandeis University are telling you what you may and may not say. Just to give you a little uh, clue. Can't wait. Can't can't call it a cockpit anymore. Mm, nice. You're on your 737, nice, nice. and sure. if you're lucky enough for it to not crash, you cannot call it a cockpit. No. You must call it a flight deck. Oh. Yeah. So that's Not that's, pilot pit. No, no, or no. Cock that, pilot. That's almost as bad. Cock deck. No, I think you're really going down the wrong road there. <laughs> We're going to call it the flight deck, Connor. Okay. All right. So let's kick it off with the cheerleader situation. And a lot of people have been following this case just because it's so fun and fascinating. A a young lady, uh, she was a junior in high school, and she's on the junior varsity cheer squad. And uh, she was ambitious. She wanted to take it up a notch to the varsity cheerleading squad. So she tried out. She was turned down. She was not happy. She goes home, gets on Snapchat, and Snapchat messages F cheer, F softball, F high school, F everything. Heck yeah. Yeah. I felt that way several times. in uh, in high school, I, I don't know that I 
if I you had weren't even Snapchat, a cheerleader. If I had if I had, had Snapchat, um, oh my god! Just the idea of having a Snapchat is like a fourteen year old. Sounds like the most dangerous thing imaginable. Yeah, people. At in, least they self destruct. People in god. Uganda would be paying attention to you. Oh dear lord! I mean, well, if they were followers. Yeah, and I have a lot of followers in Uganda. So. I should hope so. Yeah. We want this podcast to have international reach. So anyway, um, the high school gets wind of this. So apparently, with Snapchat, you know better than I, Connor, since you're a techie millennial and I'm not. Yeah. Um, it's it's like there for three seconds and everyone enjoys this image and then poof it disappears. Right, so when you watch, never to be seen again. You watch a video um, uh, that somebody has posted and that vo- video at the end of the video uh, you can set it. Most people do set it to self destruct. Mm-hmm. And Just like on the old Mission Impossible show. Exactly. And there's this feeling of anonymity or, or freedom or the idea. Of, I mean, Snapchat, in Except my view. when mom takes a screenshot right. of it. But if the app notifies you this person took a screenshot. But anybody can also oh, just take a photo with another phone or a video of, an, of another phone if they know what the Snapchat's going to be. When they open it, they take a video of it and boom. But... It, it's just the, the fact that it's not perfect is uh, who, who cares, right? Nothing's perfect, right? No, no nothing is. Right. But the idea of this notion that, that teens and, and tweens and, and all these kids that grew up in an age where every single thought they ever had is on the Internet right. and everything that they've ever done is recorded and there's security cameras everywhere and their parents find out about everything. Just the idea of this freedom of what if I could do or say something that would self-destruct, that I could actually get away with? What if my life wasn't recorded? What if every moment of my life wasn't important for yeah. the next 20 years? What if nothing came back to isn't haunt that me? Way. It's not. But the feeling of it, I mean, God, the success of Snapchat is, a, I think, a direct result of this notion that, that teens have of, oh, my God, get off my back. I can't believe everything I do now is going to haunt me forever. Like, as a teenager, I don't know if you had this feeling when you were a teenager, but well, this I was had this in the feeling. 30s. <laughs> So I there was a depression feeling. we had to worry about. Sure, it was on your mind. Absolutely, yeah. it would be on mine. The the thought that constantly occurred to me as a teenager, simultaneously in your head, I know best, and I am right about everything. Mm-hmm. And also at the same time, I knew I'm wrong about a lot of stuff. I'm screwing. <laughs> I'm screwing this up. Everything's That's going internal cognitive dissonance. Yeah, everything's going wrong. And and what if it comes back to bite me? Teachers and parents and and everybody else is shouting at you the whole time about your permanent record and make sure you don't screw up because it's gonna you know follow right, you and right. your grades. Every single grade is important. Every single paper is important. Every single you know is extracurricular is important. You won't get into college, and if you don't get into the right college, the people will know what college you went for the rest of your life. And it's like you know. Nobody ever tells you that in, well, in, in life as an adult, like you could just not tell people what college you went to. It actually, it, <laughs> right. it, it works out great. Right. Like it's fantastic. Who cares? So it, of course, it, if it, you went to Cambridge, you'd be ashamed to keep your, keep it secret. Right. That's true. That's absolutely true. But yeah, I, I totally get it. And this gal, what happened in this case specifically to give some background, she writes a, a post on uh, Snapchat, uh, records a, a, a video or a picture and uh she pastes the types, the words, you know, F this, F them, F the, everything in superimposed letters on top of her poster, video or picture. Okay. And that only went out to her followers. So she chose, I'm going to limit my follow, uh, limit this to the, the people I want to see it. But somehow the school Somebody got wind of it. Somebody took a screenshot of it and showed it to the school administration. <laughs> and as a result, uh, they suspended her. So we have a, a, a First Amendment free speech uh, uh, Supreme Court case that comes out of this. And the Supreme Court finds decisively in favor of um, the uh, uh, the cheerleader. This is a this is an area of, of the law where the Supreme Court has 
uh, been very murky. And, and a one lot of their- tempting way to demurkify it yeah. is to draw a bright line, right. Connor, between yeah. school speech, right. standing up on the table and screaming about the lunch lady yeah, yeah, in yeah. the cafeteria, right. as opposed to off-campus speech. But actually, it turns out there is no such super bright line. Right. The court um, kind of helped uh, solidify that line yeah. by, by noting, well, she did this off-campus and so on. But at the same time, their holding was, you know, we're not saying nothing off campus yeah, right. is is beyond our reach. This For example, is, bullying, yeah. the court specifically is very interested in stopping bullying, even if it is promoted off campus. Right. It's a, it's a big problem um, that we have, that our free speech jurisprudence is tied to like physical locations. Like that is the that is the framework for all free speech, uh, at least the foundational, the starting point for it. And it has the to be famous theater that's not on fire. Right. Exactly. You can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Exactly. You can't. It's all about. the So in Supreme Court First Amendment jurisprudence, there's a bunch of different tests that you have to pass. And your your speech uh, is allowed uh, different violations of your speech are, are criticized with different levels of scrutiny um, up all the way up to strict scrutiny, which is the highest level. And they 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 th- say, well, we have. What about time, place, and manner restrictions on speech? Well, time, what time, uh, you know, of day? You can't shout, you know, screaming, scream. Uh, can't run your sound truck up and down the street at 3 a.m. and wake exactly. everybody up. But whereas during the day, maybe your sound truck is okay. And then you have place. Um, well, you might, you know, be able to, to say uh, whatever you want in one place, but not in another, like a crowded theater or in a school or in a government if you're building. in your business, you can just stand up and interrupt everybody's work at the, down at the office by right. ranting for three hours yeah. like Fidel Castro. And then manner would be something like, can you uh, put this in, you say a naughty word? Yeah. Can you put, uh, uh, can you uh, have naughty pictures? Yeah. Can you skywrite naughty, you know, skywrite little big, you know, boobs in the air, clouds? That would be great. But are you allowed? Like, is that Mommy, th- those clouds look like boobs. <laughs> exactly. Is that is that allowed or not? But it's manner, the manner of speech. Can you broadcast it on television or radio or shout it or put it on a poster, uh, put it on public, put it in the internet, all these different things. And they, the, the problem is that the lines get real freaking blurry as you say, well, where is this speech? Oh, it's on the internet. What does that mean? It, was it recorded on a school campus? Was it recorded off the school campus, but talking about the school or going to school? Was it recorded using the school's Wi-Fi? Does it matter? I mean, is it hosted on your Facebook page or your Twitter page? Is that where the speech is? Or is it recorded in real life and then reposted everywhere? And that's where it is that it happened in real life. It's a really tough question. Does it matter if you record a video versus put up a post? Does that change it from, oh, he recorded the video in a physical location versus he recorded the video and posted it on a website or typed on a website and therefore it's on the website and public for everyone. It's it's an impossibly difficult, complicated thing that we have rooted in physical locations and it's a lot like our Fourth Amendment search and seizure rights. Those started about rooted in physical locations. Where can the government spy on you? Well, it's where you have a reasonable expectation of privacy. Not a bad inherent uh, place to start. Um, in the, the the old Katz decision, uh, Katz is a very famous, uh, Katz v. Maryland, I think, is a famous- uh, Very famous Broadway play. No, there we have, I think this one had a K. But it was about physical locations. Where can you, uh, where do you have a reasonable expectation of privacy? Well, in your house? Yeah, probably. But we- immediately started jumping from that point 
off that point, and the Supreme Court has started going, well, what? you don't have a reasonable expectation of privacy. Uh, Katz was a phone booth. Uh, they, uh, cops bugged a phone booth, and, and the question is, do they have a, are you, do you have a reasonable expectation of privacy in your, in your phone calls uh, that you have from a phone booth? And no, then, you're right. The court's been struggling with this for a long time. Speaking of boobs, <laughs> shall we embarrass uh, your sister, Faye, by telling the story uh, about no, I don't think the, we the restaurant? Oh, sure. I think, okay. I think we should. Okay. So years ago, uh, a family was at a restaurant. It was called... Faye's uh, the only listener to this podcast, by the way, so... <laughs> She'll love this. Hey, Tam O'Shanter Inn uh, in Los Feliz, California, or Glendale, close by. And uh, the theme is, you know, these wenches from the 14th century are serving you. And they're all they dressed, do make the dressed wenches up like wear wenches. ridiculous clothes. Yes. Yeah. And so Faye's about three or four. And uh, we're t- given our order. And the, the waitress leaves. That's when the kids say the most interesting, darndest things. The kids say the darndest things. And so the waitress leaves. And so Faye starts giggling and laughing. And we say, little Faye, why are you laughing? We called her little Faye, maybe. I don't know. And she said, you could see her boob crack. Which is absolutely And correct. we have reminded Faye of this just about every year or so ever and the, since. And now we're reminding her in a podcast. The most ridiculous part of the whole thing is that, yeah, as a four-year-old, you're absolutely, you are taught by cartoons and real life, you're supposed to laugh at butt crack. But you're not supposed to laugh at boob crack. Yeah. And that's So that's unfair. a double standard. It is a double, double standard. Double standard in a kind of a double way. Yeah. So <laughs> you mentioned a minute ago, Connor, that... Um, Somebody knows if uh, another person opens their Snapchat. Yeah. And I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. But I'll, I'll tell you, my reaction years ago when I heard that uh, somebody could, you know, get by a few keystrokes, uh, learn if someone else has opened the email that, that you've sent. Right. And if you I attach thought that what's was called creepy. a read receipt. Yeah. I thought that was creepy, the idea that the sender would know whether or not I... I mean, how am I supposed to lie to them by saying, doggone it, I didn't get your email. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're going to know I'm a damned liar. That's true. Doesn't that seem like an invasion it of privacy does, for absolutely. people to know if you opened now, your own email? As I understand it, and I don't, when somebody wants uh, to uh, monitor whether people have opened the email, they send, they send a request for a read receipt. And then when you receive your email, it says read receipt requested. Now, I don't understand technology. I'm a total boomer. I'm completely inept. I don't even know. have a Snapchat. So what do you want me to do? Right. But I, I think that there, there are privacy specialists who have tried to say, yeah, maybe we should think about that. But at the same time, if you send out a mass email, I know that you, you somehow get some sort of uh, perception of how many people have opened your email. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they just totally invaded. Well, because there's a difference between you know, statistics, the yeah. metrics of how many oh, clicks throughs and how many minutes Meta as, opposed data, to, yeah. as opposed to names. Another or, you know, serious did or did not right, open privacy issue. It's like, how do you, you know, measure it, what the, the government can collect our metadata? Uh, who we've called and who those people have called, uh, but the government doesn't collect uh, the you know the audio of the call. I mean, if you have enough metadata, isn't it functionally the same as just listening to the conversation? Yep, as well, yep, I hear you. Hey, when we come back, should uh, Justice Breyer quit the United States Supreme yes. Court? But first, Connor is going to tell you how to rate and subscribe to many lawyers. Yeah, check us out on whatever podcast platform you're using to get this, uh, and many, as many others as you like. Uh, podcast Addict or Stitcher or Spotify. We're on all these platforms, and the best way to support uh, the pod, if you like it, is to click that subscribe button to download it every week as a result, um, and uh, maybe leave a comment for us. You know, leave a little review. Connor's great. Uh, Dad's also great. Uh, We really appreciate it. We read them all. We'll be right back on Too Many Lawyers. 
This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Conrad. And we're talking Supreme Court here. A lot of folks want Justice Breyer on the U.S. Supreme Court, one of the three liberals. He's 82 years of age. A lot of folks want him to quit. Uh, they say, you know, uh, if you wait uh, and something horrible happens, you're incapacitated or you die or whatever, if you wait too long, Mitch McConnell uh, just might be able to do his magic again and prevent right. a vote on Biden picking a replacement. So, for example, if he doesn't quit now, but uh, 2024 rolls around, that's the, the year of Biden's reelection. Uh, if Mitch McConnell is successful in doing what he did before in 2016 and preventing Merrick Garland from getting on the court, uh, then there won't be any uh, vote uh, for Breyer uh, until there is a, a, another president, right. uh, perhaps a Republican. So uh, a lot of Democrats are saying, and I guess it's sort of in the progressive wing, they're saying you really ought to quit. Uh, let's get a, an opportunity to Biden to replace you now. What do you think, Connor? Do you think that uh, is a good idea? Do you think maybe yeah, it would so, add to the political uh, politicization yeah, of the so Supreme Court? The the main criticism, the main like criticism that people levy against the idea of Breyer retiring is uh, that retiring in what looks like a strategic uh, time when a Democratic president can replace him um, appears to be a an acknowledgement or an admission. Uh, or maybe even a reinforcement of the fact that uh, the court is political, and the idea that these uh, they're not just uh, uh, they're not just impartial observers who call balls and strikes. They're actually partisans uh, who just happen to wear robes, right. and that the judiciary branch is no different than the rest. That's the truth. That's reality. That's existence. That we are all political creatures. That we all have partisan opinions. And it's insane to pretend that you don't and to cloak yourself in the robe and pretend that you're not a partisan is actually the most vicious lie of all. And it fuels the idea. So that you're we saying somehow, Breyer is insane because he's, he's made noises like that. He should absolutely retire. Well, if he's and, insane, then he should retire. <laughs> right. I apologize for using the potentially a, a offensive term of insane. Instead, what I mean is it's it's ridiculous and it's arrogant and it's selfish. He's ridiculous. He's arrogant. He's selfish. He might he prefer insane all those. He might. Absolutely. The idea that only I am the smartest and wisest and, and bravest uh, justice who can truly guide our country through. Come, come on. Give, your, give us a break. You're 82 years old. You had a great time up there. You're fantastic. You're one of the most influential people in American politics for a really, 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 really long time. Give it up. Stop. Quit. You're done. It's over. Somebody else will be just so as good LA and Times? is way less likely to have a stroke and screw up the entire country even more than it already is. Oh, my gosh. You really like being the oldest and most senior guy in the whole half liberal half of the of the court. Great. That's fantastic. You know who else? Uh, you know what else you'll enjoy? Retirement. Well, you'll be a well-respected, uh, you know, former Justice of the Supreme Court, who gets to do whatever he wants. You're making a powerful case, The idea, the, the arrogance of these people who think that they are so important. You are not important. You're not. If you're 82 years old and your hand is on the dead man switch of American politics, and you know it is because you know what partisan politics is like in this country, you know that the right is fascist. You know that the right is a, a, the party with all the neo-Nazis in it, and they will put in terrible, terrible justices if you screw this up for the, for the liberals. What are you doing? Get over yourself. So Retire. the LA Times agrees with you. They think he should quit. They say the reputation of the court as nonpartisan is at stake, which I think is kind of a crock. Uh, as you say, it's it's not nonpartisan. Everybody's got their bias. Plus, let's be honest, 
if uh, it was turned around and the liberals had the 6-3 majority. I don't think the L.A. Times would be urging this resignation. Uh, Breyer said in April uh, he judges take an oath to the law, not the party that appointed them. He is against court packing. He doesn't. I think he and his fellow justices uh, left and right don't like the idea of their power being no, diluted. No, don't, don't dilute my power. No, exactly for right. reasons other than the fact that I don't want my power diluted. Don't do it because it's bad for something, institutions or something. The court was packed when Mitch McConnell didn't give Merrick Garland uh, a hearing. The court was packed by Mer- by the the Republicans screwing up the court so badly that now they have a 6-3 majority b- despite being a minoritarian party. They are ruling from the minority. That's court packing. And the idea of fixing that, remedying that, and calling that court packing is a fantastic political move, but it's not true. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to get a tape of this podcast. Yeah. We're going to uh, convert it to eight-tracked uh, tape system. System, so that send it to Breyer's it. chambers, because <laughs> I'm I think that's about the last time he probably really got into tech. I bet he's got an eight track in his Trans Am. Why not? Uh, let's shift gears. Talk about Britney. Everybody loves talking about Britney Spears. Hashtag Big important legal issue. Chris Crocker yeah. was vindicated completely. So why does she need a keeper? Why would a successful performer, a woman who can get out there and make untold millions a year in her residency there in Las Vegas, uh, why would she need a conservator? I mean, people think of conservatorship and they think of dementia and you can't care for your basic activities of daily living needs like dressing and, and so on. Uh, if you have some sort of whatever physical issues. So why would Britney Spears need a keeper? And is it a little suspicious that she's saying that, you know, I, I, I really want out of this. I didn't know I could challenge it in court. I mean, is that believable that she wouldn't have known over the last four or five years when she's been making some noises about how this is unfair? Yeah, absolutely. That she didn't know she could totally go to court? Totally believable. I mean, you and I sit here from an extremely lofty, high perch. We're being on ground level, Extremely. That's true. The, the, the grass is right outside. Uh, we sit here from the ivory, ivory tower of our graduate degrees as lawyers and understand mm-hmm. that, yeah, if you are an individuals under conservatorship, it would make total sense that you'd be able to challenge that conservatorship. But Brittany doesn't live in our life. But she she's had she, a lawyer advising her. She so a lot of people were criticizing him. This she, guy Ingram, they're saying, well, if she was unclear about her options, sir, why didn't you tell her oh, absolutely. And, that but, she had these but options? Let's, let's you know, put the onus on that guy. Let's put the onus on that extremely educated, uh, accomplished lawyer who's collecting uh, enormous, ridiculous uh, fees for being Britney Spears' attorney who could have ab- advised her. This is, I mean, on its face, look, I'm, I don't know what the legal ethics rules are about just accusing people of legal malpractice. As a lawyer, you know, you, you might want to, we might want to hesitate and be careful about that stuff because it's like trying to diagnose somebody from afar right. when you're a doctor. I'm not a doctor. I don't know all the facts. But I'll tell you what, if your client goes to the court and says, I didn't know I could cha- ch- challenge my conservatorship, Oh, my God, that is I mean, that is horrifying. The idea this Britney Spears was very eloquent for a person who doesn't speak on legal issues. Yeah, and it did for not sound like some lawyer wrote it for her. Absolutely. Her lawyer not. was kind of stunned. Yeah. She gave an account of a life that was horrifying to read. I mean, I, I read the transcript, but I didn't see it. Maybe there wasn't even a video of it. I don't know. Oh, no court. video, no. Yeah, but and I read As a matter of fact, transcript. the audio was cut off to the public when the judge heard that people were recording it and rebroadcasting mm. it outside, which is a no-no. Verboten, sure. I mean, she's describing being extremely tightly controlled by her father and For a example, bunch of she says, I want, I want the IUD out, and they right. won't let me... And that, you know, alarm bells go off there because... Well, why would somebody say, oh, don't take the IUD out 
because you know might get pregnant. Oh well, if she's pregnant, then there goes the gravy train, right? Because she's not going to be uh, oh, yeah, dancing absolutely. and singing in her residency and, in Vegas. And people that people are tearing their hair out, going, "How could it possibly be that a conservative can make these sorts of decisions?" That's absolutely the sort of decision conservatives make. It's horrifying. It's tragic. Conservatorship is a massively important and consequential step. This is the person who makes almost every decision about your life for you. This is where you are, where you go, who you uh, who you consort with, who where you, how you live your life, what your job is, what medications you take, what medical procedures you receive. I mean, it's not hard for a conservator to say she needs to be on this set of bipolar medications and those set that set of bipolar medications can go with it. it with that, uh, those medications come massive risks of, say, birth defects uh, for, for a child if she were to get pregnant. And therefore, she must also be on birth control. And because we can't trust her because, oh, she didn't take her medicine one time five years ago, we can't trust her to take uh, medications. We've got to put an IUD in. And then she can't get it out without conservatives. I mean, I don't know that this is true. This is what I'm describing as the easy way for a conservator to take over your life when that conservator makes a whole lot of money off of him, off of her. And Everybody else in her life who surrounds her and controls her life makes a whole lot of money off of her performance. The idea that they would be able to decide whether she gets pregnant again or whether she sees her boyfriend or her kids or where she lives and whether she goes to this, these rehabs, which are horrifically invasive and controlling of her life when she says, I don't have a substance abuse problem and I've been taking my medications for years and yet she gets thrown in rehab when she's disobedient. Oh, my God. It's yeah, no, horrifying. It's, you're right. It's, it's very it's, scary. It's the scariest thing you know you, I, you see you know, because this is somebody who makes every decision in your life for you. I will say, though, that it's when I saw the New York Times documentary about Britney Spears, it reminded me so much of the Michael Jackson situation mm. because they interview and play sound of so many fans who are marching around and they've got signs, free Britney and so on. And I bet if you talked to these fans in the New York Times uh, documentary, you didn't. I bet they would be totally clueless about you know what it takes to uh, get a conservatorship approved. What, what really started this conservatorship? What are the arguments for changing it? What are the arguments for keeping it? They don't know. Just like the Michael Jackson fans, it was all about uh, how wonderful Michael is when you know, uh, there was a lot of evidence that he wasn't such a wonderful guy. There's a so, great video of uh, Craig Ferguson, who I know you love, who oh yeah. does a, a, a great monologue more than 10 years ago. Back when Britney was in the news and being lampooned and making fun of him, and Craig Ferguson said, I'm not going to do jokes about Britney because... There, but for the grace of God, go I, basically. I have been there. Before he got sober, he saw himself, he sees himself pre-sobriety pre in Britney. And he didn't even know whether or not she has a, a substance abuse issue. He just knows that at that point she was 25 years old. And oh my God, life is incredibly complicated and difficult. And, you know, if somebody's fallen apart, society's natural uh, response is to lampoon them and to say, oh, somebody else has got to step in and control their life. Well, maybe they're falling apart because other people are controlling their life. That is worse than being on whatever drug anybody, you know, is claiming to be on. I mean, being told to, to you know, every single aspect of your life from age seven, from when you're in the Mickey Mouse Club <laughs> to when you're acting, you know, in, on whatever other shows, and then your singing career, and people are making millions, tens of millions of dollars off of you, the idea that they would just let you be a normal person uh, or any chance that you would, I don't know, decide you don't want to do that anymore. Oh my God, no way is that ever happening. I mean, if you are a a, a, an almost literal gold mine for these people. They're absolutely not going to let the gold mine decide how what it wants to do with its life. I mean, even just make the music it want. What if what if what if you let your artist control her life and she decided she wanted to make a different kind of music and you made ten percent less money? Hell no, that's never happening. So I mean, it's the scariest thing imaginable. And I mean, 
the fact that she's got legions of fans out there looking out for her, I mean, trying to look out for her, when people were saying, you know, some people, a minority of people were saying, free Britney, 15 years ago, mm. 10 years ago, they were made fun of. Chris Crocker and the rest, they're the legion of fans who were out there saying, look, we need to give her respect, let her make her own uh, decisions, and listen to her when she says she's in a crisis. They got made fun of. They got laughed out of the room. And now we we see that they're completely vindicated on the other end of it. Yeah, shocker. The people with all the money behind the scenes were controlling things probably did a terrible, horrible, no good, very yeah. bad job. So one of the benefits of these high-profile cases is not only you hope that the right thing is done for the, hope, yeah. for the famous person involved, but the whole society is talking about these yeah. important issues. Sure. Hey, when we come back, why is Joe Biden whispering? Stick with us on Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And um, I don't know if you saw this um, press conference, Connor, that uh, President Biden gave a yeah. few days ago. That was great. He's, he's given answers, and all of a sudden, he he leans down to the, the microphone, real close to the mic, and he starts whispering, and he yeah. says things like, I wrote that bill. And he did it two or three times. Now, I don't remember ever seeing him do this before. So that's a little weird if he's going to all of a sudden at age 103 or whatever he is right. start with this technique. Uh, and I realize that it, it can be a rhetorical technique. Yeah. You've got your voice. It's Absolutely. like a musical instrument. I you think I've done that. You can be loud or you can be soft. I've done that on this pod like 50 times. So have you. Well, see, uh, so it's a legitimate technique. Yeah. But it was weird seeing it from the president for the first time. So, I mean, is there any... I, you're probably not in favor of that whole cognitive test thing they were talking about this no, week, right? No, probably not. But wouldn't it be fun to see uh, how he and Donald Trump and Kamala Harris and and Mike Pence did? Have them go, all go into a room, sit, would, sit those little desks, you know, like you have yeah. in school, uh, which as a lefty I hated because, oh, sure. you know, the desk was designed yeah. for righties. Yeah. Wouldn't it be interesting to see all three of their— it's a great See example. how they do on the 30-question test? Infantilizing, yeah. Look, I mean, the fact that we elected a president who's 103 years old that's the Democrats' fault, right? <laughs> they chose uh, uh, a generally medium to bad candidate who makes a, a lot of wrong decisions and has a lot of bad attributes him about himself. Like, you know, he spent his entire life making deals with uh, really bad people in the name of, well, bipartisanship, which is a nonsense concept. That is just what we got. That's what we signed up for with Joe Biden. But that's what the American people want. They want Uncle Joe who is, you know, kind of wacky, kind of a goofy sense of humor, and he's going to lean into the microphone and say, people are talking about, uh, my favorite quote of the whole press conference, I loved it, he, he says, people are all complaining about there's a shortage of workers. And then he leans in and he says, pay them more. Pay the workers so it more. it is a rhetorical technique. Absolutely. This is a great example. I mean, this is like, uh, he's a good speech maker. Like, he's a good politician. And the fact that people somehow take issue with it, I mean, the people just, they, they, they want to find something to criticize the guy about. He's got plenty of things to criticize him. Criticize, criticize him on his substance. Criticize him on the fact that his DOJ has decided they're going to defend Donald Trump on the January 6th insurrection you nonsense. Think, think it was Dr. Jill's idea for him to start whispering? Probably. Could be. Um, all right, let's, let's talk about the woke line. Language, Connor, uh, Ooh, because this it. week the Federal Aviation Administration uh, and Brandeis University are, are both coming on helping us to uh, talk more woke. Love so uh, you're not supposed to say cockpit anymore. Okay. You're supposed flight to say deck, flight deck. Right, yeah. Now, easy, I, I looked it up on, on the internet. You know, they know everything on Wikipedia. And if you look it up, the origin of, of cockpit, it, it there's nothing naughty about it. Nice. Yeah, there's some weird, boring historical reasons. I mean, is it really necessary to change cockpit to flight deck? Apparently, uh, some uh, pilots used the, the word to uh, to embarrass some staffers. Uh, I, I 
I don't know. I mean, isn't that kind of going overboard? Yeah, I don't know that that's why they got rid of it. I think I think the association is the uh, cock, as in the uh, male uh, chicken, and a pit is where they fight, right? So I think that's where it comes from. And the idea is, uh, you know, you have uh, the 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 arrogant roosters. If you go to the flight deck, you're going to see roosters fighting with each other? Well, is it, that- oh, yeah, like flying around, dogfighting, <laughs> you know, bra- braggadocious, <laughs> cocky, okay. uh, over-the-top male. We don't like that in, in a United Airlines pilot. No, we don't, absolutely no. not. But the idea is it's, it's very male. It's, as some might describe it, male-coded. I mean, cock is literally a male rooster, a male uh, chicken, right? Is a rooster. So the idea is like, oh, it's a place for men. I mean, in the same way that, you know, if you had, if the the, the flight deck was called the men's pit, the man pit, that would be gendered. And in that way, women pilots might feel like, mm, great, so I have to go to work in the man pit. And the assumption is that <laughs> I don't belong there, right? Well, maybe. So that's I doubt that that is going to deter many Amelia Earhart's. No, it's not going to deter them, but like I wouldn't like it if I were them, right? I, I yeah. wouldn't want, if I... In the same way, if I had my kid with me and the baby changing station was called the mom area, it, I would have this notion of like, well, I don't really belong here. It's not great for me that I, as a guy, the, the assumption is that I'm not fit or as good uh, at parenting. Well, or then you'll probably else. be sympathetic to Brandeis University in Massachusetts yeah. because they've made some changes. Let's chat about them. Um, the campus barbershop, um, they no longer are going to say, we take walk in uh, appointments. Uh, because um, that term has been deemed ableist. Mm. Uh, so, you know, walk-in, is that really? They don't want you to say killing it on Brandeis. Um, if somebody's doing well, they say we don't need to equate that with murder. Uh, instead, they want you to say, great job or awesome. They don't want you to say killing it or probably crushing it would, would be bad, too. Um uh, yeah, th- those seem pretty generic. I just don't seem to call out any individual group. Um, and while well, the, the invocation of violence doesn't seem well, speaking great, of violence, now like, here's another on. here's another weird one. I, I I just don't get the need for this. You know the expression "rule of thumb." Yes. Uh, Brandeis says as a, as a rule of thumb, you should not say rule of thumb. Well, yeah. why not? Why should you not say rule of thumb? Yeah, the Get this. Back hundreds and hundreds of years ago in England, men were allowed to beat their wives with sticks no wider than their thumb. And right. that was the, whoever heard of such a thing. I've lived 110 years on this planet and I've never heard of that expression. Now, do we really need to get rid of rule of thumb because of this weird, antiquated, historical little remnant footnote uh i mean uh, where, how did they even come up with this you know it, it doesn't even matter if it's and the origin of the of the phrase is disputed the issue is if people think that's what it means yeah but have you ever bumped into anybody connor who thinks rule of thumb means oh yeah that's a rule about how a guy can beat up a woman in medieval england yeah if, if she if the if the stick is no wider than his thumb and right. she better hope he's not a big fatso with a gigantically thick if thumb you, if you asked a, a bunch of millennials who are terminally online like i am um whether they've heard <laughs> this theory for the origin of that phrase they would absolutely say yes i mean 90 percent of them would say it because it was like a fun fact that was passed around on facebook and twitter and the rest and has been for a decade or so. Now, if you, a reasonably online person who doesn't read stupid gossip crap, don't know that, that's great. But the problem is, if people know it or believe it, even if it's false, it's, it, it, it becomes the zeitgeist, becomes that that's a bad phrase. And the, so you should just change it and use a different 
phrase to mean rule of general application. I think we just need to go with, with cop speak. That'll eliminate the controversy. We What's should all just speak. speak, well, instead of a car, it's a vehicle. Okay. Instead of a person, it's a carbon unit. Right. I think we should all just speak in the stilted way of cops. Then we won't have any arguments That's about these terms. Absolutely. Of course, I'd, I'd, be, um, I'd be frightened because cop speak is inherently frightening. And then if we defund the police, then nobody can say anything. That's true. Well, we have accomplished so much, so much in a single podcast episode, Connor. Uh, thank you so much for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week on Too Many Lawyers. <laughs>